Well, um, thank you, Connie. Good morning, everybody. I wanted to give you a little bit of the pedigree that David brings to the table for us today. Uh, he was considered one of the top 10 best practices for setting appointments and securing the sale last year. Yeah. He was the number three producer year-to-date in all of Equus. Uh, last year, he was a Diamond Elite producer for uh, 2021 and is on track to do or in 2020, is on track to do that for 2021. He earned over 300000 in 2020 and will earn over 400000 in 2021. Uh, and we wanted to also point out the AmeriCo bonus. Um, you, for those of you that don't know, that is a six-month bonus. You qualify, you know, you can qualify twice in one year. David qualifies for that uh, each six-month period, and I'm going to let him talk a little bit more about that. Um, when he was on the call yesterday, I know that you all, a lot of you were listening, and uh, it just was so great to see him use that whiteboard and give us those numbers. Uh, David, not only with being the great agent, he has a great sense of humor. Um, and I often don't like to tell what people did before. I let them choose whether or not they want to talk about that. But uh, a profession that David had years ago requires a good sense of humor. Um, and so I just want to you know, bring him on. I know he's going to give the title again, but as you're getting ready to uh, take your notes, I would just go ahead and write down, he's going to be talking today about the top 10 best practices for setting appointments and securing the sale. So um, that'll be the topic of the recording. And uh, David, if you would want to go ahead, we're ready to hear from you. Well, thank you, Connie. Thank you, Dick. Happy Tuesday. Greetings from a Costco parking lot in, uh, somewhere in Tacoma, Washington, uh, where I'm poised and ready to go run an appointment as soon as our phone call is done here. Um, yeah, that was fun yesterday. You know, I got a call Friday. Hey, can you be on the call Monday? And and uh, here's what we would love you to talk about. And, and uh, uh, in fact, Barry Clarkson was kind enough to give me a phone call yesterday afternoon thanking me for the time. And, and uh, so that was a lot of fun. And near the end of the call, he asked me, uh, he said, you know, I really appreciate everything you did. If there's anything I could do for you, please let me know. And I, I said, well, I would like to be taller. And uh, he said, me too. <laughs> it was kind of funny. So, um, anyway, well, here we go. So, yeah, here's the topic. You know, I like to... I like to have a list in front of me of things that I can practically do that make my life better. I, it's just, I'm a task oriented guy. Um, I, I just don't like to, you know, flounder through uh, behaviors. I like to know, you know, if I do this, is my life better? Or if I do this, is my life worse? Um, and over time, I've adopted uh, uh, this idea whenever, whatever business I'm in, when I was doing sales in the professional audio business, uh, when I had my mortgage company back in the 2000s, um, my, my philosophy was what are the best practices that I can do that um, make my life better, that improve my sale? The, what are the best practices that I, if I don't do them, I'm leaving money uh, on the side of the road? Um, and so uh, here's what we're going to talk about, and they've listed the title. We're going to go through the top 10 best practices for setting appointments and securing the sale. These are the 10 things that I've learned in my business over the last three years that if I do these things, 
at the brass tax level, bottom line, I make more money. Real simple. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. We're providing for our families. We have our goals. And um, now let me clarify. A best practice is not something we do that manipulates a client into a premium they don't need or into a policy they don't want. That's not what this is, okay? I'm, I, don't, I don't subscribe to that. You know, yesterday I had a client. I told them they didn't need anything. They had more than enough insurance. I said, you're fine. Honestly, you don't need anything I have in my bag, um, and and that's just the way I handle things. So that's not what this is. This is not best ten best ways to manipulate a client. That's not what this is. These are the ten best practices that I use in my business. That when I do these things, these are the hills that I die on. I always make certain that I do these things. If I do these things, they produce more sales. Um, and you think about it, if I could do one thing different in my business over the next month that would give me one more sale, how much am I going to earn extra in this year? One more sale a month, well, that's about $10,000 extra in earnings in a year. What if I could do a few things that give me one more sale a week? Well, now I'm making about 40000 extra a year, which is a lot more than what most people make of uh, the clients that I meet with to sell them a policy. So let's go through these. Um, yes, grab a pen, and um, we're going to start at number 10. Number 10 is sit, S-I-T, not set, at least 15 appointments if full-time, seven if part-time. I hear a lot of people say, I'm setting 15 appointments, as if they've accomplished the job. No, 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 no. Setting 15 appointments doesn't accomplish it because what happens? I mean, I had a no-show yesterday. The lady was in the house and did not answer the door. <laughs> that was not an appointment. That was something I set. We want to sit, S-I-T. This means we need to set more appointments to replace cancellations and no-shows, and we dial daily until we have sat in front of 15 people if we're full-time, seven people if we're part-time. For me, that just means if somebody no-shows, I hop in the car, I get back on the phone, and I dial, or I have my leads with me, and I go door-knock until I replace that appointment, that by the time Friday afternoon comes around, <clears throat> I can look myself in the mirror and say, I sat 15 appointments. I sat in front of 15 clients in that week. There's a huge, huge difference. To say that I'm full-time in this business, and I'm setting 15 appointments, but then you have 11 or 12 that you only actually get in front of. That's not sitting 15 appointments. That's setting. That's a huge difference. What happens if we go ahead and sit those extra three or four to replace the cancellations and the no-shows we've had out during the week? When we do that, there's our extra deal. There's our extra sale for the week. There's our extra four for the month. There's our extra 40000 in a year. Think about it. Just taking an hour when we have a no-show to go door knock three leads and never answered the phone, next thing you know, you've replaced that appointment for later on in the day or later on in the week. If you sell it, there's your deal. There's the deal that didn't exist because instead of sitting in the car and taking a nap or going to McDonald's or whatever we did, we used the time we would have been in front of that client to replace that missed appointment so that we ultimately look back at the end of the week and say that we've set actually sat as AT 15 appointments instead of just having 15 on the calendar but only, only getting in front of 11 or 12. So that's number 10. Number nine, and this is a hard one, have the personal dignity to walk away from a one-legged appointment and a clear non-sale. 
Let me give you an example. Sunday, I walked up to the door. The guy opened the door, and he said to me, uh, you got five minutes of my time. And I said, well, then that's just not going to work. Um, I, this is, that's not what this is. I'm not a vending machine. I didn't tell him that. But in my mind, I'm thinking I'm not a vending machine. I'm here to advise you. I'm not just going to cookie cutter a deal in front of you. So I said, this isn't going to, this isn't going to work for us. You, you know, can we sit down and go through this for a few minutes? I want to spend it. No, 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 no. You got five minutes. I, that's, that's the only time. You're not going to sell a deal in five minutes. I said, well, then you have a great day blessings on you. And I turned and walked away and he's standing there at the porch going, he wasn't expecting me to do that. But for me, my time is valuable. And I went and I pulled over on the side of the road and I made some calls and set some more appointments to replace him uh, for the following day. So we got to have the personal dignity, dignity to do that. We also have the personal dignity that when we walk into the home and the, and the, the significant other or the spouse is not there, Oh, you know what? This really needs to be a conversation with us. Well, I'll just explain it to her. I can tell you in three years, uh, in the thousands of appointments that I've sat in the last three years, I've never had a spouse successfully explain the program to the non-present spouse. It just doesn't happen. So if they're not there, say we need to set a time when they will be here. And I'll tell you what usually happens, just so you know, when you leave, they call later on that day. She's not interested. We're not going to do it. Okay, fine. Well, what did you do during that time, or what did we do during the time after we leave the house, if we've subscribed to the previous uh, best practice that I said, if you know, we, we walk out of the house because not both are there, what are we going to spend our time doing? Are we going to take a nap on the side of the road? No. We're going to go door knock. We're going to make more dials to replace that appointment so that we get back up to our desired number of sits for the week. So it's not about leaving the appointment and going, oh, I missed a sale. There was never a sale there to begin with. And if we can recognize that, then we can use that time more proactively to move the ball forward on our sales. Number eight, this is gonna, we're going to get into some real detail here. Number eight, when we're dialing, control the conversation. And that means this. I've watched people dial, and they will ask the client to confirm something that's on the lead that's already written on the lead instead of saying, and here's, here's the difference. Here's what I, here's what I mean. Um, it says here you're 68 years old. Is that correct? It says here that your address is dot, 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 dot. Is that correct? No, 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 no. They already wrote it down. The way I like to say when I do a lead, when I, when I call on a lead, what I say to them is, it says here you're 68 years old, the spouse is 67. Have either of you used any tobacco products in the last month? What I've done is I've confirmed the age without giving them an opportunity to get into a conversation with me about what is this? We don't, we don't, I mean, when we're on that initial phone call with the lead, and I watched this happen uh, when they were doing the dialing on the national, on the virtual call, uh, uh, here a few months ago when we did the national conference and they were doing the live dials. Some of the people on there were asking, you know, your address is this, your age is this, uh, your mortgage balance is this, and the lender is this. I was one of the person even asked that. The lender's already been changed 30 days into the lead, you know. Um, what I find is when we, when we ask, when we give people the opportunity to answer a question about something that's already on the lead, the challenge is now we've created a whole open-ended conversation piece that doesn't need to exist. When I do my leads, when I call on a dial-in lead, what I ask them is, uh, you know, hey, this is Dave Crocker. I've got a, a, 
I'm a field underwriter. I just need to ask you a couple of questions on this form you sent in on these mortgage protections. It says here you're 68, the spouse is 67. Have either of you used any tobacco products in the last year? I've created a yes or no situation. The moment they say yes or no, then I dive right in with yay if they say no tobacco, or I say not a problem if they do, and then right into the next question. Have either of you used or ever had a heart attack, stroke, cancer, diabetes? Yay or not a problem. And then as there happened to be, like if the spouse co-borrower section is blank on the lead, I don't ask them, is there a spouse? I say, does there happen to be, I see here on your form, the spouse co-borrower section is blank, just confirming, does there happen to be a spouse or significant other in the home? Perfect. Okay, great. And then I got your address here is 123 Main Street. Mortgage balance is 425, 425000 Again, I'm the field underwriter on this. My job is to see if you qualify, blah, 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 blah. So what I've effectively done is I've gotten yes, no responses to the information I need. Are they a tobacco user? Is there a health problem? And do I need to make sure the spouse or significant other is in the home? Otherwise, the way that I've presented the information, I see you're 68, the spouse is 67, have either of you used any tobacco products? What I've done is I've confirmed the information without creating additional conversation opportunities on the phone call, which can open up into, now, who are you? Are you with the bank? What is this? Oh, I don't want that. You know what I mean? And so can we get one more appointment out of doing that, which then creates that one sale that we want to do extra a week or extra a month to get us to those extra numbers we want for the year. It's a subtle difference in how we dial on the leads, but it's a massive change in how we control the conversation. Now, number seven, <clears throat> we set the appointment. Number seven, let's control the appointment. We walk in, we go to sit at the table, the TV's still going. Is it okay if we turn off the TV? That would really help me concentrate. And the information that we have here is really important. I would hate for us to miss something. You notice I use the words we and us. I don't say I hate for you to miss something because what will happen, I learned this one time. The guy looked at me, don't worry, I know how to concentrate, I'll keep it on. Well, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Can we turn off the TV? It will help us. Uh, when we're sitting at the table, <clears throat> make certain that we're the last person to sit at the table. How often have we sat down and then they sit and suddenly you have a husband and wife <clears throat> across the table from each other? So what I like to do is say, uh, you know, we're standing around the table and just delay as long as I can to sit down until the husband plants himself or pulls his chair back. And then I say, great. And then if she could sit right there next to you and then I'll sit right here, that way you guys can look at papers together. Uh, it's a lot easier to do that than across the table. So I like to control that one moment and it's a subtle change. Believe it or not, if we wait and delay until we're sitting down after they've kind of positioned where they're going to be, then we can control where they're going to go and we can control where we're going to go. The other nice trick I like to do is if they do not turn off the TV, but if they mute it, some people will just mute it. I kind of like to, if I have the opportunity, position where their backs are to the TV. And we can control that subtly by how long we wait till we sit down at the table. Subtle things, but they make a huge difference on somebody paying attention to us or prices right over our shoulder. Okay? The other thing I like to do is right when we sit down, I like to pull my phone out and obviously turn off my phone while they watch me. I said, let me turn this off so we can, uh, we can listen uninterrupted. What I noticed is that the people, behind, the people at the table will then turn, oh, yeah, I need to put my phone away, right? Except for the young 20-somethings who for some reason cannot get rid of their telephones, but everybody else will follow suit. Oh, yeah, let me put my phone away. Um, 
And then I like to keep all papers and, and, and pens and everything off the table during the first few minutes of the appointment. I want it to be the three of us are having a conversation sitting around the table. So number seven, if I want to control the appointment, get it asked to turn off. Can we turn off the TV, uh, control how we sit around the table so the husband and wife are next to each other and then I'm right next to the husband. Uh, obviously turn off my phone. Uh, and then keep all my papers off the table. Papers on the table make the conversation very transact, very transactional, very early in the process. I like to keep my bag on the ground, the papers in the bag. We can bring that stuff out later. Right now, this is about learning about them, uh, which brings me to item number six. Connect with the client from the moment they open the door. And a lot of people have heard me talk about this. What do we learn about a client when we get out of our car? Is the house a dump, which tells me, well, what is it going to be like when I get inside, or is, the, or is it immaculately cared for? Is the landscaping immaculate? If the landscaping is immaculate, I know I need to be precise in my numbers because I'm walking into the home of an analytical, an analytical personality. I better make sure that I'm specific. I better make sure that I, I write you know, very cleanly. I better make sure that I carry the decimals, all those kinds of things. If the house is, is not immaculate, then I know what kind of personality I'm meeting with, right? And so what do we learn about them just by the way the landscape is cared for, by, by what's on their car, where did they go to school, what military branch were they in? So, you know, I'm, you know, a guy the other day, he had a Marine Corps license plate frame. You were in the Marines. That's how I answered it when he opened up the door. You know, hey, I see you were in the Marines. Yeah, I was in the Marines. What years were you? I am standing on the porch, and that's the first thing I said. Oh, I was in uh, 69 to 74. Really? Well, my Uncle Danny was a Marine Corps MP on the USS Kitty Hawk in Vietnam. I think he toured in 68, 69. I remember the Kitty Hawk. You know, I mean, that was the conversation from the moment the guy opened the door. Instead of, oh, hi, I'm Dave. I'm with the insurance. You know, I'm here to help you. You know, no, I like to go right into what I saw in the driveway. What did I learn about them? I, I see you guys like Star Wars. Me too. That was my favorite movie I ever saw. You know, they have a Star Wars sticker on their car. Or, uh, okay, somebody likes to go mountain climbing. I see your hiking stickers on the car. Where's, you know, uh, my wife and I hiked Tommy Peak this last summer. I'm, I'm up on Mount Rainier. i got to show you a picture of that. And I'll literally lead with that when they open the door or what sports team flag is hanging there. You can learn so much about a client before they open the door, and then we can use that to share something about ourselves that we have in common. One of our family members, maybe my dad was in the same branch of the military they were. Maybe they took a trip to a place that I went to. One, one client I saw had a Mammoth Cave Kentucky bumper sticker. Well, I went there when I was a kid when we lived in Michigan. And I said, you went to Mammoth Cave. That's, how, that's what I said when they opened the door. Oh, yeah, we, we went there a couple of years ago. Well, I went there as a kid. My family, we lived in Michigan, and we drove down and spent the whole week in Kentucky, and that was amazing. Did they do the thing where they turned off the lights in the cavern, and, then, and everybody got super quiet, and they dropped the needle, and you could hear it hit the ground? Oh, yeah, they did that. Oh, it wasn't, you know, and that's, what I'm, you know, that's the kind of conversation I have with a client from the moment the door opens. What have we done? We, when we do that, it's not a transactional visit. I'm a friend. I'm there to advise. I'm there to help. I, I disarm any fears they have about being this a hard sale call, which makes it easier for them to listen and we give them advice on what kind of insurance they may or may not need. Can we get an extra sale out of that just by somebody who's now more comfortable, they're more relaxed because I was friendly from the moment that they opened up the door. The same thing with the dogs. Oh, 
I love dogs. What kind of dog is this? I have a little Cavapoo at home. Her name is Tinkerbell. I look up. My daughter is a Disney nut, and she named her. You know, I don't just talk about my dog. I give the name of my dog. Things like that that drill down the relationship with the client so much deeper from the moment that they see us have a tremendous impact on how that appointment is going to go. So number six, again, connect from the moment they open the door. Number five, mirror body language. This is a subtle thing, but it's huge. If we're sitting at the table and his arm is crossed, my arms are crossed. If they're leaning back, I'm leaning back. If they're leaning forward, I'm leaning forward. If their arms are open, my arms are open. Now, I'm not copycatting. I'm not doing, you know, you don't want to copycat. What it is is people will communicate if they're comfortable with you. And a way to help relax and help them feel more comfortable is for us to mirror the way that they're sitting until they get more comfortable. So a lot of times somebody comes in, their arms are crossed, and they're leaning back. I'll have my arms across leaning back. I'm still being friendly, but what I'm saying is it's okay. You can, you, can, you can test me for a while. I'm not trying to infringe on your space. If they're leaning back and their arms are crossed and I'm leaning forward at the table with my arms open, from a human perspective, that can tend to feel threatening to the client. And there's a lot of sales videos you can watch on YouTube about how to use mirroring of body language to help a client feel more comfortable. Again, this is not manipulating. We're not trying to manipulate. We're not trying to make somebody buy something they don't want. That's not the point here. The point is I want to let them know I'm here to help them. I had five death claims last year. I know what it's like to sit at the table with a husband and wife, and then a year later, one of them is gone. I have done that in my three years in this business already. I've had five death claims. So to me, and I've said this before, I'm on holy ground when I'm on the home. So if I can subtly help them feel more comfortable, it helps them listen to what I have to share helps them listen to what I might present to them later on in the appointment. So that's critical. Mirroring body language. Find some videos on YouTube on how to do that. It's a huge, huge, huge difference in the depth of how we can connect with a client when we can do that. Now, number four, connect until they connect. In other words, their body language will let you know. If their arms are crossed early on in the conversation, but then over a period of time, you'll see their arms open up and they'll lean forward and they'll put their elbows on the table, which is kind of them saying, hey, I'd like to see what you'd like to show me. I'd like to see what you have to say. Because they're subtly saying, could you put some paper on the table here, some paper on the table here with some information? I, I, I'm interested in this because they're leaning forward. They're, they're engaging. They're leaning into you. So I don't do anything transactional until their body language tells me they're ready to go. If their arms are crossed, we're staying in that way. But once their body language communicates to me that they trust me, that they're open to me, then I feel better about, about continuing on with the next step of the appointment. And here's a subtle thing that I have found, and it, it, it's, not a, it's not a tried and true 100% method, but it, I've learned over time, if they offer me something to drink, Sometimes people offer something right away in the first couple moments because they're hospitable. That's different than you get 20 or 30 minutes in and suddenly they go, can I get you something to drink? You know that they like you, that they're comfortable with you at that moment. I know at that point that they like me, that they feel safe with me. Their body language at that point has opened up. So I know that I have connected at that point. 
I shared this with one person. Hey, you know, I, I just uh, I don't I don't really move on to the transactional phase of the appointment until they until they offer me something to drink, unless it's obvious that that's just not something they even think of doing. Um, and so I had somebody say, "Oh, I'm going to try that," and they called me a week later. Hey, I, it didn't work. I said, "What do you mean it didn't work?" Well, I asked for something to drink, and they and they didn't. They didn't buy anything. I said, no, 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 no. You're not asking for something to drink. You want to wait till the client likes you enough that they want to offer you hospitality in their home. It's a big deal. So, so number four is connect until they connect. Don't go to the, the, the dollars and cents and the product dumping of, all the, of whatever we want to do until they have told you that they like you by their body language and by offering you something to drink, some hospitality, you're laughing, you're enjoying the visit. What are we doing until that time? We're learning about them. Tell me about how you met. Really, uh, you know, so what was that like? You guys were on a trip and you just happened to see each other, you know, whatever it was. Go deep on that stuff. Find things we connect with them. And sometimes I'll spend 25, 30, 35 minutes with a client, with a family, talking about those things, especially the older crowd. The younger crowd is different, but the older crowd, the 50s and 60s and the 70s ages, those people, it's 35, 40 minutes uh, before we'll get into any numbers while I'm just learning about them, learning about the things that we see on the wall, the pictures, the crochet that she's doing, the, the car that he has in the garage, all those things that, that soften the defenses and make it where they, they're open enough to hear what I have to share. So that's really important. Don't jump the gun on that. Let's not jump into dollars 10 minutes into an appointment when we haven't connected. There's, you, you might as well just walk out. You've, you've become... Uh, you're all, we've just become a, 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 it's, it's, we're just a, a number at that point. We're just the cheapest deal that comes through the house, not the, some, the person that they trust. It's a massive difference if we can take the time. That might mean allowing for longer appointments. That's okay. I would rather have a 15 or 20 minute longer appointment that's a sale than two shorter appointments that weren't. Number three, and this is a really, 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 really soft uh, or subtle thing that I do is when I start talking about programs, I like to do what's a, what I call a soft transition. Number three is soft transition to numbers. And that means I don't just say, okay, well, let's talk about the insurance now that I'm here. You know, and now suddenly we're going to have a sales appointment. I like to just go from talking about the, the trip they took to Tahiti to say, well, it sounds like you guys had an absolute blast. Yeah, Jenny and I, we're planning on going. In fact, we were going to go to Hawaii this last summer. They got canceled, but we're hoping to go to the Caribbean again here, uh, you know, next, uh, next fall. So that'll be a lot of fun. You know, I was looking on the form here. So it looks like you're 67. She's, yeah, ma'am, you're 65. And I'm confirming you guys have never smoked. Okay, good. You know, so I just kind of do a soft transition. I just lift the paper out and, and start talking about those the things from the appointment without announcing that I'm doing that. Um, the other thing I'm very particular about, now some people at Equus will kill me for this because they like to do the exact opposite, and that's okay. This is my preference. I like to make sure that I show the very first number that I show on the paper, and don't kill me, don't kill me, it's okay, we'll survive the next 10 seconds here. I like to make sure the first number that I show is a really cheap number. I like to go from the bottom up, not the top down. I know some people do top down where they show the most expensive and work down to the client says yes, I get it, that's fine, that's totally fine. I like to start with cheap. That means a young, a young couple, the real young couple that can't get off their phones during the appointment no matter how hard I try, I want to make sure I show a premium around 20 or 30 bucks. 
I've, I've, what I've done is I've disarmed them. They go that they, they know this is cheap. This is cheaper than the three Starbucks that they get in a, in a day. Uh, for the 40-somethings, I like to make sure I show a 30 or $50 premium range uh, as I first start writing things down. For, a, for the 50-somethings, I like to be in the 50 to $70 range. For the 60-somethings, the 60 to 90, and actually that's cool because even in the 70s and 80s age, you can still show a 60 or $90, 60 to $90 premium if we're doing you know, like a $5,000 critical period. And it's okay to show that. It just communicates this is not as expensive as you thought it was going to be. I know some people, they start at the top and they work their way down. I get it. That's perfectly fine. I would challenge them to hold up their persistency numbers. I have a 92% persistency rate. I have a 94% placement rate. And, um, and so I would challenge them to hold up their persistency to my numbers and see how it holds out because my theory is that the people that would agree to a higher number, you're going to get replaced more often uh, or they're, not, they're going to agree to you to get you out of the house, but then they're going to cancel the policy when it comes. So I like to work my way up. I still show the higher numbers later on and I don't tell them what I'm comfortable with. I say, if you were to do something and we'll get to that in a second, that'll be number two. But I like to, uh, I like to just present from the bottom up it, it softens the blow. It tells them that the next few minutes is not going to be near as expensive as you thought, and then let them work their way up. That's okay. Um, you know, my annual premium value is around 1080 uh, You know, I've already cleared 97000 in paid APV this, work, this year, so I feel this strategy works, and I rarely get replaced. Number two, which brings me to number two, when it comes time to talk about what kind of program they're going to do, if you were to do something, this is the phrase that I use, if you were to do something, is there anything here that would feel comfortable? That's how I ask which one, something on here that you like. If you were to do something, is there anything here that would feel comfortable? Uh, it's kind of a hybrid of, of what Dick has in his video uh, of, of how he does an, an appointment. Um, I've just learned that that's a, a phrase that helps people know that I'm not telling them what to do, and it's kind of non-salesy. It's just kind of a nice, simple way to say, how do you feel about it? Now, let's go deeper on that. If the husband and wife start going back and forth, I excuse myself. If best practice is do not stay at the table while they're arm wrestling. There's something going on that we don't know. There's a bill that wasn't paid that she didn't tell him about or he didn't tell her about or one of them forgot about something or whatever it is. I excuse myself and let them do the arm wrestling for a minute. Can I use your restroom for a minute? Do you mind real quick? Or actually, I've got an urgent call from a client. I've got to return. Do you mind if I excuse myself? I'll let the two of you talk about this. Now, I made the mistake one time. I excused myself, and when I came back in, they hadn't done anything. They had gone, he had gone out to the garage, and she was in doing the dishes. No, no, you know, so I, 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 you know, I excused myself. While the two of you talk about this, do you mind if I use the restroom real quick? Uh, it gives them some privacy to go down a little deeper. And then one of two things happens. When you come back, you'll get a solid I got to think about it, or you get where they've grabbed the pen and they've circled the one they want. So if you had a sale, that's when you're going to find out. If you didn't, a lot of times it just kind of materializes because there's something going on that we didn't know. I found often it's because there was an expense the other didn't know. And so the one person's thinking one budget's going to work where the other's going, no, 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 it's not because here's what's going on. Uh, what one lady didn't know her husband had lost a lot of money uh, in, their IRA, in their IRA the day before and he hadn't told her. Uh, so, you know, it just, it, it's just, I find that that's a, a great strategy is excuse myself. The other thing I like to introduce the idea is, by the way, 
always lead with, by the way, we can always change anything you decide to do to something more aggressive later. In other words, less is more. Uh, we don't need to slay a dragon here. Uh, we, we, can, we can start off small. Let this get comfortable with the two of you. 30, 60, 90 days down the road, we can, we can set a follow-up and see if, if this fits and, and uh, get more aggressive then. I don't, I don't, I, even though we got some higher numbers up here further down the chart, I don't want you to feel that that's what you have to do. It's what you feel most comfortable with right now for the two of you. And then later on, if you want to get more, uh, more aggressive, that's fine. That's not a problem. If you were to do something, anything on here that would feel comfortable? So I give people the out to go cheaper. I give people the out to go less. That's okay. It's perfectly fine. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a sale is a sale, and ultimately the numbers average out over time. And the last but not least, number one of my top ten best practices, secure the sale. Uh, here's what I like to say after we're done. Um, so just so you folks know, I'm around here all the time. I drive by your neighborhood here probably ten times a week. Any changes you would like to make, uh, here's my number right on here. That goes my direct cell. It goes right to my hip. Uh, I can poke in and we can spend 10 minutes and make an adjustment. If you want to decrease the face size or if you want to make it longer term or shorter term or add your spouse or whatever you want to do, uh, I can do that. That's really easy. It is not inconvenient for me at all. I can poke in between other client appointments and do that for you. Um, and Rich reminds me, how many of these letters did you send in? Oh, we sent in three. Okay, so you're going to have other underwriters call you. Uh, you've already got this handled. We've already gone through the best program for you. So if somebody else calls you, just let them know you've already got it handled, and they might pressure you a little bit. Don't let them do that. It, it, it's really not healthy to have a long line of people strolling through here telling you the same thing because we can't be guaranteed somebody's going to do a hard sale on you that's going to make you just question the whole thing, right? So um, what I would say is anybody that calls you, just no, no, no problem. Uh, thanks for calling, and then just hang up and let them know. Don't come out. Sometimes they might even show up at your house and knock on the door. Not a problem. I got a handle. Thank you. Well, I could save you a dollar. Look, if somebody says that, if you could do me a favor, you know, we've spent a lot of time today. We've spent an hour, hour and a half, two hours today. We've, we've invested great energy into this decision. If, if somebody else says, I could save you a little bit of money, just, just say, you know, I've got it handled, uh, and, then, and then give me a call, and we can just do a, a supplemental review and just make certain this fits you, okay? Um, have you have any other appointments set with another agent? Let's go ahead and hop and call them now and let them know we don't need another appointment. I did that the other day. A lady got on the uh, had said, "Well, I got a guy named Jared coming Friday, but he didn't leave his number." I said, "That's disconcerting." So the guy set an appointment, but he didn't leave his phone number because I always do. And she goes, "Yeah," and I go, "Well, so that's so you can't call and cancel." And she looks at me. She goes. Yeah. I says, well, let's look up his number. And we found his number on the insurance commissioner's website. And she called him. He couldn't believe she had his phone number. And she canceled the appointments. Um, and so uh, anyway, so I kind of – I'll sit with a client and coach right through as they make the call to cancel any other appointments. Um, I can't trust – there's a couple of agents around me in my area that are vicious. They will come in and do a face amount of $50 less to save a client a penny and tell the client they saved money. Uh, it's a mess. And so I just find that I need to take a couple extra minutes and secure that sale at the end to, uh, to help them. And by that, I mean making sure they don't take another appointment from somebody else. Uh, you know, and so we've already invested a lot of time in this. There's no reason to do that. Again, if you do want to review it, I'm up and down the street all the time. I can poke in, and I'll make sure to bring a little doggy treat for your dog Toto here. And um, 
And so uh, I have found that that's the best solution. So again, let's just go top level. Number 10, make sure that we're sitting, not setting at least the number of appointments, 15 if full, 7 if part-time. Number 9, have the dignity to walk, dignity to walk away from one-leggeds and clear non-sales. Number 8, control the conversation when dialing. Number 7, control the appointment. Number six, connect from the moment they open the door. Number five, mirror body language. Number four, connect until they connect. Number three, soft transition instead of hard transition to numbers and show a cheap one to begin with. Number two, if you were to do something, is there anything here that would feel comfortable? And number one, take the extra minute to secure the sale and coach the client on canceling any existing appointments and not taking any new ones. So there you go. There are best practices. I think if we can put even two or three of these things in place in our business, what does our next week look differently? Over the next week, can we create one more sale that would produce at the end of the year an extra 10000 in income over time, you know, if we do it once a month? Or what if we make one more sale a week? By the end of the year, we've made another thirty or 40000 just by drilling down on these behaviors and uh, being much more intentional and proactive in how we treat these behaviors, I think we can find those extra sales. So there you go, the top 10 best practices for setting appointments and securing the sale. David, that was incredible. I really appreciate it, and I hope people did take notes. You know, understanding the difference between sit and set. Um, so many people head fake themselves and think they've got a great week set up because they got a lot of sits set up but they don't see very many people, and having the personal dignity to walk away. Guys, if you can understand what David was saying there when you read between the lines, these folks need us a whole lot more than we need them. And when you understand that, because stop and think about it. If you make one more or one less sale this week or this year and somebody dies, guys, they needed you a lot more than you needed that one sale that week or that month or that year. So they really need us a lot more. And understanding about controlling the conversation, um, by confirming the information, the key to this thing is learning to speak in bullet, bullet points, David. You know, confirming the information on the letter by asking a yes-no question at the end. Um, that was one of the things I learned early on that just really saved me a lot. And you notice here when he talked about the mortgage amount, he didn't say $425,916. See, the people remember the 425, but whatever that last three digits are, they don't want to lie to you. And if they don't remember, you've created a stumbling block right off the get-go. 425 is all you need to know. And controlling the, the appointment, um, getting that TV turned off, sitting at the table, and literally having them sit where you want them to sit is huge. Um, you know, connecting with a client, not making it transitional, that is a tremendous thing there. And I, I know when you were talking about connecting until they connect, Bob Kidwell and I did an appointment in West Virginia last year, and the bank president we were talking to, we had a 30-minute appointment. He's leaning back in his chairs. His arms are closed. The VP was there. They're sitting back in their chair. Their arms were closed. And when we pointed out how mortgage protection could reduce, reduce the number of their foreclosures, an hour and a half later, he's in the middle of the desk, leaning over, wanting more uh -huh. information. 
And I finally had to say, we got to go. Yeah, you know, that's exactly right. Because mirrored and connected, and I'll tell you how we connected. You know, he thought we were there to sell them something. I said, you know, this isn't about us or us selling something. It's about protecting the bank's, you know, bottom line. And I said, how do you feel going into somebody you went to high school with, serving them with papers to foreclose on their home? He said, terrible. I said, here's a way you can get around most of those. That's when he was leaning toward us, you know. And guys, understanding that soft transition and starting off with the lower numbers. See, what David's doing there, he's telling the people it's okay not to cover the whole mortgage without making them look like uh, cheapskate. Why is it okay? Because he showed them something less than the full mortgage amount. It's natural and normal, and making it natural and normal is huge. And I think, number two, one of the most important words in that opening statement was if. See, I hate it when a salesman assumes a sale with me because, I mean, I just, at that point in time, I'm going to walk just because I can and I have to. I'm not going to let them manipulate me. But by using, if you were to do something here, you know, what would feel comfortable? But that question if is huge. And, guys, I hope you really zeroed in on, and Connie will post this later today uh, so that you can go back. But, David, closing comments here. This was huge. Yeah, well, you know, I've just learned that um, a best practice is, is something that if I do it over time, if I do it continually, repetitively, it becomes second nature, and then all, the, the, the rising tide rises all boats, I think is the phrase. You know, I mean, my, I, I don't really sit any more appointments than I did last year, but my revenue is already 30% ahead of where I was last year just because my skills are better. So... Um, you know, this is very true to that. It's, it's, these are core skills that if we just stay continual with them, there gets a point we don't need to think about them anymore. And appointments that I used to lose because the TV was on, and I think I probably the first 10, 15 appointments I sat, I let the people keep the TV on. You know, now nobody keeps their TV on, right? And so, you know, it's just the behaviors and, and the repetition of it. It becomes the, you elevate the skill level on the phone and in the home, uh, which then produces higher your higher closing rate um, and the higher sales, so and higher retention. So yeah. I have one last question for you. Sure. Do you do every one of these every time or just most of the time? Do I do what? Do you do these practices every time or just all ten of them every time or just most of the time? Oh, uh, most of every time. <laughs> I do them every time. These are the these are the hills that I die on. Uh, you know, the guy that I walked away from the other day on the porch. All right, sorry. You know, yeah, you have a great day. I mean, I yeah, no, 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 no. I I, I won't continue an appointment if they've got the TV on with the volume going. I won't. Uh, you know, I always start from the bottom. Yeah, and, and these are habits now that I don't really think about them very much anymore, but you still have to have the personal dignity to die on those hills if, if, if something's not right, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, I do them every time. The best practices only work if you do them every single time. Every time. Well, you know what's yeah. funny? I'll never forget. It's probably been 15-plus years ago. The first time I walked on a, uh, an appointment like that, I get there, and I realized and understood as I'm walking out the door, but, 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 you know, they're trying to get me to come yep. back. My husband wasn't there. 
I found out later, uh, oh, actually, I found out right then on the spot, he wasn't supposed to be home till 7 o'clock, and she set the appointment at 6. They set it up. They set me up to yeah. get the number. We have, you know, right. he's not here. She knew when she set the appointment he wasn't going to be there. And right. they just set me up. And the look on her face when I skinnied out the door, I said, yep. I had somebody else see me at 6 o'clock, and frankly, I told them no because I was seeing you. Let me go see if I can help them. And I'm all she can see is elbows. You right, know? that's exactly <laughs> right. We have to have the dignity to walk away. There wasn't a sale there to begin with. We yep. are not a vending machine. We need to recognize that. We are not vending machines. We're advisors and consultants. It's a big difference. So, Well, thanks, Dick. Uh, thanks for having me.